Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And welcome to the 100th episode of On the Air with Power Squared. Uh, we have with us a special guest, Carla Hoke, the writer of Fight Right. You can tell by her t-shirt. Um, <laughs> and she's uh, agreed to join us, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. Well, we... We had the pleasure of meeting you, uh, I guess, three years ago. It seems like a I cannot ago. believe it's been that long. Yeah. Three uh, years. Yeah, at the Writer's Digest Novel Writing Conference in Pasadena. And mm -hmm. pa Paul attended one of your, uh, You ha I at least had one program, you might have had two. I think yeah. I had, yeah, I think I had two. Right. I Paul attended two. one of yours and yeah. said how uh -huh. really great it was. And we came to you Good. and said, hey, you should try this at Comic-Con because <laughs> they do have practical pro, uh, panels there. And we've been to yeah. some about writing where they more or less discourage you from writing. <laughs> yes. yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so we uh, so I know that you've uh, reached out to Comic-Con finally. I have. I have. I did. And um, the first year I reached out to them, I it didn't work for them. They had already filled things up. The second year was the year that went down the black hole mm -hmm. last year and then this year um, the first thing I applied for didn't work but they invited me to apply for a panel which was really good like they they, I'll tell you what for such a, a big organization and I would think it's an organization that has a ton of moving parts anyone that I have spoken to has been lovely and so the person who said you know what you should do a panel and they even sent me the paperwork and everything I'm like okay I can do the panel and then I saw the date at Thanksgiving yeah. I was like, oh, I can't do that. Not with my kiddos. But one day, one day I shall be there. Well, and we will hopefully be there too when you're there. Yes, so. I hope so. And we'll attend your panel. We've never been on one. Yay! Yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so according to your website, you and Superman are twins? You know what? I, I'm just going to keep it vague because I don't want to take the attention away from him. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to I'm just going to say that I'm a twin Clark Carla. It, it may or may not be Kal-El. Just uh, saying. OK. So uh, and you were raised by a clouder of feral cats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just reading your bio. Is that yes. that's that strange <laughs> in, in some way? Uh, well, a little. But uh, <laughs> so are are you? Uh, so you are you a born Texan or did you move to Texas? I am a born Texan. I was born uh, in Houston, where I live now, out just outside of Houston, and then I was raised uh, starting at about age two till uh, eighteen in Northwest Florida, right outside Pensacola, um, Gulf of Mexico area. Mm -hmm. And now, as an adult, I'm back here in Texas, where I was born. I'm actually a Texan. I was born. Oh, really? I From where? Dallas. Oh, okay. That, yep. Good area. Yeah, I was been out here for a bunch of years. I don't want to say how old I am. Yeah, it's still the green side of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that's uh, right. Waste <coughs> wasteland. Um, yeah. So, uh, tell us about your martial arts prowess. You seem to have a lot of expertise. Um, well, uh, about, I, I am losing track with how long it's been. That'll tell you how old I am. Um, I think it's been about 10 or 11 years ago. I started in a Hapkido 
based self-defense class. And I actually took that self-defense class because I was writing fight scenes and I didn't know how to fight. And so I thought, well, I'll go to, you know, one or two self-defense class. How many, how many classes can you need possibly know how to fight? Easiest thing in the world. And I went to the first class and I realized I have no idea how any of this works. It is akin to going to a dance class when you have never been exposed to dancing. So I was left feet the whole way and uh, I really enjoyed it. And so I kept coming back and um, the coaches said, um, you know, we have an MMA training program. Why don't you do that? Which I laughed my head off because as my bio will tell you, I found my powers late in life. <laughs> so I was about 38 when this happened. And I said, I can't do MMA. I'm too old for one. And I'm the size of like a strapping fifth grade boy. So that's not for me. <laughs> and they were like, give it a shot. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. And so I did it. <laughs> and from my first class, and I, I love MMA. I remember um, the days of Ultimate Fighter when it was really very um, grungy and, and rough. And I saw the progression of where, you know, rules were enacted. And I just loved the whole art itself and so I started training and I absolutely loved it and as the name you know suggests it's mixed martial arts so you get a mixture of the martial arts and I was exposed to a lot of different things and I saw the martial arts that I really stuck to and I really really enjoyed the Brazilian jiu-jitsu portion which is on the ground I enjoyed the judo portion uh, and the Muay Thai portion and then uh, I said, you know what, I want to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so I did some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I also did Muay Thai-style kickboxing. It wasn't a um, Muay Thai program, but it was the same style without the ranking and everything. Um, okay, and from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, I was at a gym that had Filipino martial arts. And so I got some exposure to that, uh, particularly Sayak, which is the knife portion. And then a little bit of Bahalana, which is uh, where they work with the, the sticks. And um, my instructor, my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor was also like a fourth or fifth degree black belt in Kung Fu. And so he taught me, I call it kind of Fu. I can do kind of Fu. Kung Fu, not so much. Kind of Fu, yeah. <laughs> so I learned a little bit of kind of Fu. And uh, he also taught me some street defense with weaponry, and he let me um, assist him in teaching some classes. Okay, and where am I? And then I um, did Aikido, um, and I did Iaido, which is the katana portion of, um, of Aikido. And then I did Judo, and, um, and I'm still doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so. Oh. I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, Taekwondo. I did I forget that. Yeah, I did Taekwondo too. Right. So I've got a I've got a mixture of things under my belt. So uh, is there some discipline that you still want to study or Yeah, I would really like to go into Kung Fu more. I loved it and it is made um, the original con concept of Kung Fu was close quarters. So it's something you don't need a lot of room. And um, I really enjoyed Kung Fu. I, I kind of had a little bit of interest in Krav Maga, a little bit, but um, Kung Fu mainly. I really would like to learn that. Now, is this something that you do yourself or is your whole family involved in learning martial arts? Or um, My son did for a while. My husband, I couldn't get him on board with it. He uh, was um, in the military and he obviously did military combatives and he played rugby and 
um, it just kind of wasn't his, his thing because I started out uh, when I, you know, I did hot keto and then I did MMA and then I was doing Taekwondo at the time. And he was like, I, you know what? His nose had been broken so many times. He's like, I cannot get hit in the face. My son did it for a while. Uh, my daughter stuck with it. And my daughter and I have done together. We've done Taekwondo, Aikido, Judo and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And she's been taking a break from Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but she's coming back. She had some, uh, she has TMJ, she has some jaw problems. So, um, but she's going to come back and she is a beast and a half. She's terrifying. So I look forward to having her back. So how, in a typical week, how often are you in the gym doing this? Um, generally five, at least five times a week. Um, yeah, I think the only day, oh, now that I think about it, I guess it's probably six times a week, probably six <laughs> times a week. I think Sunday is basically the only day I don't train, but okay. guaranteed I'll be there five times. Okay, wow. And is that an hour, two, three, how? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's over when it's over. Generally, um, the classes at our gym are, are lengthy. Um, they're generally around two hours. We have an hour of, you know, drills and techniques, and then we have sparring after that. So it just kind of keeps on going. It goes until it goes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned you were writing fight scenes. Do you have, yeah. did you write fiction or? Oh, it? yeah. I've, do, I've done a lot of fiction writing. Um, mainly it has been in anthologies. I did publish, um, self-publish a book like 13 years ago um, that I look back now and I was I was advised by a friend who knows way more about writing than I do never publish your first book and I I wish I hadn't but I look back and I'm like okay I can see where I could make that better but from then it's been a lot of anthology work because while I was also um, you know doing that I was writing for a local magazine and I was taking care of twins at home and so um, the short stories really have worked out well for me and I've had I've had um, three or four four in, in anthologies yeah and when I write I'm generally a speculative fiction kind of person you know there's gonna be something um, out of this world about it most likely okay so what so what genre do you write in um, you know, it, it, I've, I have one about that takes place on another planet. I have another one where the main character is a robot. You know, I have one. Um, the one that I have that is not speculative fiction is kind of a gangster situation. But everything tends to have some type of alien or or some type of spirit character. Something I don't know. It's just strange. Something strange. Will okay. be in it, guaranteed. Speculative fiction. Now, is there fighting in all of these? You know, that's what cracks me up. People are like, "Oh, are you going to write a great fight scene?" And um, when I start writing, it's I, I don't want to force putting a fight scene in there. Uh, sometimes a fight scene does enter into it. Mainly, it is also just violence. There's everything I write is going to kind of be on the dark side. Which I'm, I'm, I'm not a dark person. I'm a very happy person. Yeah. But it's gonna be a little bit dark, and there's gonna be some violence. But yeah, I, there's some. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the robot one has a pretty good fight scene in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you would know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, how did you come to uh, write, fight right? Which well, we're holding up it's if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fight right. How to write believable fight scenes with Writer's Digest. Um, it started out as a blog, actually. I think it was 2016. 
I was um, at a conference. I also, one conference that I've taught at a lot, I think I've taught seven times at this at this one at this point, or six times, it's called Realm Makers, and it's, it's a speculative fiction writers conference, and they had a panel on writing fight scenes, and they had all of these distinguished character, you know, writers up there, Robert Liparulo, and, and, you know, those kind of people who've written, you know, a lot of action, they had a doctor and all that, and then somebody said well we need somebody who actually fights and one of the writers said you know what carla does mma put her on there <laughs> well they put me on there at the very end i'm not even sure if i was in the camera shot which is fine because i felt i, I didn't feel like i felt like i belonged on it and question after question kept being about well when you get hit in the face this well when you get knocked down this what does this feel like and so um, I answered a ton of the questions. And the next year when I went to the same conference, they said, hey, do you think you could critique something for everybody on stage? Could you maybe do some, do something, teach a little bit? And I said, sure, I can do that. I don't know if I can do that, but I was like, sure, <laughs> I'll do that. That is the answer. Whenever anybody gives you writers, when you are given an amazing opportunity, even if it seems too big for you, say, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a former high school teacher. And so, um, you know, I'm used to being up in front of people and making a fool of myself. So um, I got up on stage in front of the whole crowd. I think it was about 200 people. And um, I read through some fight scenes and I talked about how they could be made better. And then to help people understand what needed to change, I demoed some moves and people ate it up in part because I am a very small person. And uh, I got off the stage and someone from Quill Pen Editorial Services came up to uh, me and said, would you be our fight scene editor? And I said, absolutely, <laughs> I will be a fight scene editor. And that's when I thought, wait a minute, you mean people wanna know about this that much? And I thought, well, I'll do a blog and I'll post a few times. And you know, I thought if, if I got a hundred viewers, I was pretty sure I was the most popular person on the planet. Okay. <laughs> and so I did, I got it ready. You know, I got some blog posts and I had like a hundred views, which doesn't even mean they've read it, but still they went to the page and I thought, Oh my gosh, what can stop me? I am like a runaway train. <laughs> and then it was 200 and then it was 500 and then it was a thousand and then it was 2000. I thought, Whoa. And, um, somebody said, you should write a book. And I thought, well, what will I put in a book? And then I looked at my blog and I'm like, holy cow, there's my book. <laughs> and um, it's funny because one of the first agents I ever pitched a story to, um, he said, it, it was actually the book that I took self-defense classes to write fight scenes for that book. The agent that I pitched it to said, you know what, I'm not crazy about the book, but I like you, so let's stay in touch. And so every single year, <clears throat> for 10 years, he and I kept bumping into each other at writers' conferences and talking, and I would say, when are you going to sign me? <laughs> <clears throat> and he said, when are you going to write a book for me to sign? And I'm like, that's very judgmental, <laughs> whatever. And... Um, and so I started writing a book about writing fight scenes and I finished it and I pitched it to the agent who also has um, a small publishing, uh, a small, small print publishing for craft books. And he goes, oh my gosh, he goes, you know what? I like this, 
but my financially, I can't do it right now. I said, you're turning me down again. Yeah. I'm giving you book after book. He goes, you've given me two books. I'm like, that's a lot. That's a lot of books. And he goes, you need to keep pitching this to people. And so while I was in the midst of writing, um, I have a friend that was a Writer's Digest author named Jeff Gerke, and he knew uh, one of the editors at um, one of the acquisition editors, and he gave me the acquisition editor's direct email. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I sent him a copy of like the first 50 pages of the book. And he sent back uh, an email and said he had done the comps, meaning the comparison of other books like that in the, on the market. And he said, there's just not any room for us. And I thought, okay, that's not true because I too have done the comps and there's no book out there that's gonna be like my book. And so I sent him another email and I said, please reserve judgment. You know, when I finish, let me send this to you again. I'll send you donuts. I heard nothing back. This guy was super not interested in me. Well, I finished the book and as I promised, I sent it back to him even though he didn't necessarily want it. And I got a kickback email saying he was no longer with the company and I was given a brand new shiny email address for an editor. Mm. And so I sent that editor the book and um, I told her that I had been speaking to the previous acquisitions editor about the book, which was not a lie. Not a lie. <laughs> and well, uh, we, we had been speaking, we spoke about it several times. That was the phrase. And that's true. I had spoken to it and he'd spoken <laughs> once. And I told her, I was like, you know, I promised him donuts and the same goes for you. So I called my agent. His name is, uh, I called the agent that I had known for years named Steve Lobby of the Steve Lobby Agency. And I told him what I had done. And he goes, you sent that book to Writer's Digest. And I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I? He's like, kid, you have, you know, kid at 40. I forget how old I was at the time, 45, 46 at the time. And uh, he goes, you got chutzpah. He goes, okay, here's what you do. You just wait. He said, it'll take them. It's a big, you know, it's a big publishing um, place. They've got their hands in a lot of different cookie jars. So give it about six weeks. Um, after six weeks, then just check back in with them. And I'm like, okay, I'll do this. And it was not six weeks. It was six days. Wow. And they called me back, and it was one of those situations where I'm looking at the phone, and I'm talking to them, and I'm like, is this a joke? Is this real? <laughs> and so they said, we really like what we have in front of us, and do you think you could write, you know, add like 25,000 words to it? <laughs> Which I said, absolutely. No. How would that? I was when they said that I thought I was going to vomit. I'm like, absolutely. And they said, and can you include a chapter on fighting aliens? Um, can I include a chapter on fighting aliens? I was like, what pair of Star Trek pajamas do you want me to wear while I write the chapter on uh, fighting aliens? And so I called Steve Lobby and I asked him if he would be interested in representing a Writer's Digest author. And he said, maybe, who would that be? And I said, me. And he goes, you got it, lady. And so the guy that I originally pitched my book to, for which I started martial arts, is right. now my agent for the book about writing fight scenes. Huh. And when um, we were at the final, <laughs> I did. Yeah. He has done, I've, I tell him all the time I'm his cash cow. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and he made a joke. He's like, yeah, I bought a boat with all the royalties that you 
you've earned me. And he sent me a picture of a toy boat from Amazon. <laughs> like, how dare you? Um, but before everything was completely finalized, I had added the 25,000 words, which wasn't as difficult as I thought, including um, you know, the extra chapter they asked me to fill in. By the way, people have since asked, why didn't you put in this subject and this subject and this subject? It is because I had a word count. There was a maximum I had and they wanted what was already in it, but they wanted more specific things. So if it wasn't in the book, it's simply because I couldn't fit it in there in the parameters they gave me. Mm. And so I was talking to them at, I was signing the final contract and I said, actually I had signed the final contract and I sent it back to them and they said, yes, we got it. And I said, so is this real now? And they said, what, what do you mean? Is it real? And I'm like, so I, this book is going to be published. And they said, yes. And they said, I said, by you. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm writing for you. And they yeah. said, yes. And I said, okay, I have to tell you, you've turned this book down. And they said, what? And I told them about the book being turned down and they got a good laugh about it. <laughs> uh, after that, um, Writer's Digest, you know, the economy wasn't being really good to publishers and um, Writer's Digest had to close their publishing portion. And, but thankfully, Penguin Random House bought the publishing portion of Writer's Digest. And as a blessing, it's a huge blessing, they decided to take my book with them. And so the print version is still uh, Writer's Digest imprint on it. Um, the Kindle version is Penguin Random House. And uh, Writer's Digest still does the magazine and they do the blog and they do the uh, conferences. And they have just been absolutely lovely to me. The editor for my Fight Right book is now the editor-in-chief of Writer's Digest. And so, um, yeah, she's great. And I, it's just like blessing after blessing, I'm kind of looking around thinking, uh, this is a mistake. I think I got somebody else's blessing. I think I've gotten too many. <laughs> but um, I have absolutely enjoyed um, teaching at the Writer's Digest conferences, and, and I write monthly for their blog as well. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the book itself. Uh, Paul, okay. Paul has read it all the way through, and I'm about this far from finishing it. Uh, it's really mm -hmm. well written. It's very conversational. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's it's you go through a lot. There's a lot of jargon in here that you kind of explain very well. Yeah, I like mm -hmm. the extra thank punch you. you have at the end of every chapter. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, so, do you have a favorite extra punch? I my favorite extra punch was the one that surprised me the most, and that was the fact that Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that Sylvester Stallone wrote Rocky and I mean I just and and if you go through and read the story about how the movie got made and how little money he made he had to sell his dog to pay bills at one point and then when he was given I think he was only given $20,000 or is it $200,000 to probably $200,000 for the movie and or maybe been 20,000 now I can't remember but anyway the deal was he told them that he had to act in it that was the only way he would sign the rights over to them and uh, when he got his first pay paycheck from them he went and bought his dog back <laughs> and the dog <laughs> is in the movie so that is something that I I, I really enjoyed okay I thought that was really cool Do you have any questions for her since you've actually read the book no pressure yeah, no pressure <laughs> uh, let's see I will tell you something that tends to surprise people about the book. Um, they think it's just going to be a lot of punching and kicking, and there's way more in it. I mean, there's a section on craft. There's a section on injuries. There's a section. I, I honestly, 
I, I divide it up into five rounds, like a championship MMA fight. And honestly, my favorite round is the one that's about being human. And I think that's the second round. And it's just all the things we bring into the fight for the simple fact we're human beings. You know, it talks about adrenaline. It talks about fear. It talks about um, hesitance to kill. Um, how yeah. women are a little bit different than men. And I think that I am, I hate I don't know why I hate it, but I'm I'm a nonfiction writer. I'm a journalist. I am, and I love research. And so, researching those topics, I personally got a lot out of them. I learned a lot about just human nature in that section. So it's far more than just punch, punch, kick, kick. Yeah, promise. And, and you also have a section in there where you had a lawyer, I assume, write most of Absolutely. it. Or, which was Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of that is my lawyer. He is um, <laughs> he is my dear friend's husband, and he is, I believe at this point, a, a second or first or second degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I went to one of his conferences. Uh, he did a, a workshop on how you can defend yourself legally on the street. Because as people who do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, we think, well, that's fine. I'll just, you know, put them in a chokehold or I'll, you know, arm bar them or something. And that's considered deadly force. Right. Any submission we do in Jiu-Jitsu is considered deadly force. And it got me thinking, people don't know that. People think deadly force is stuff that could kill you. And the definition is much broader than that. And there are times when you can't use, you can't use deadly force against somebody who flips you off. Right. That's just how it is you know um so it has to meet the threat and so uh when i thought about writing it i thought first of all how can i make this easier one of my mantras and um he is a writer himself you know and he'd send me things that he'd write battle scenes and everything and i'm like i'm gonna give you a chance to write something and so he wrote it he just i said just run with it and um so the things that you find if you have a character who um defends themselves in a certain way if it is if your ms setting the manuscript setting is in present day then you will know whether or not your character is going to be going to jail for what they're doing and it, it, it's not what you know people think it's it's what's reasonable well no reasonable is whatever the jury thinks is reasonable yeah. and a jury that's been drug out of bed and had a crummy breakfast from a crummy hotel <laughs> and is just really not wanting to be there may not see the same thing reasonable as you do also in different states right. you know what is seen as reasonable in california is nowhere even in a shadow of what we find reasonable here in texas Right. So um, that uh, people have mentioned that that's been very, very helpful in writing their work. Yeah, because uh, it was interesting that you have to, if you're, if, if someone flips you off, you you can flip them back. But if someone punches you, then you can punch it. them. But you can't Correct. escalate it beyond. You what can meet doing the threat. Yeah. Right. You can only escalate. It has to have three conditions. One is a reasonable belief that your life is in danger right now. And when I teach self defense. And I tell the I tell the people, you know, God forbid you are in a situation where you have punched somebody in the throat and killed them, which will kill a person. And the police arrive. Here is what you say. You said he was coming at me and I thought he was going to kill me because that that meets all the parameters of what is for, um, you know, deadly force. If I am being dragged away in a parking lot, even though dragging someone isn't deadly force, 
it's an absolute reasonable belief that I'm going to get killed. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, I absolutely can use deadly force. But yeah, you can't hit somebody in the head with a mace because they slapped you. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's a crazy world. Even in Texas, you can't do that. Wow. Even in Texas, that's, you know. Even in Texas, yeah. Wow. Open carry and all that. I thought you could just blow people away. I know. <laughs> so what were you hoping the book would do for writers besides teach them how to um, write good fight scenes? You know, I think it's the teacher in me. I have, I really enjoy helping people be better people. You know, I loved watching the, my students learn. I was a Spanish teacher. I was also an English teacher. I was an English teacher and a Spanish teacher. And in Spanish, I would have ninth graders all the way up until the fact they were a senior. And then by the time they were a senior and we could speak, you know, easy Spanish to each other, I just thought, how cool is this that I help make this possible? And so I thought really it would help. It would fill a need that obviously was there because people ask me question after question about fight scenes and it is incredibly rewarding when a writer brings their book to me and opens it and says you help me write this this makes me cry and i will not cry just so you know <laughs> if i cry you will look away and we will never speak of it um but they like you help me write this scene and that means the world to me so helping people realize their dream and make their dream the best it can be I mean, how awesome is that? We all want to climb a ladder of success, but nobody wants to be a rung. Everybody wants to be the one climbing. And the fact is, the rungs are stronger than the ladder. You have to have, I mean, the edges of the ladder, yeah, they got to be strong, but the rung really has to hold the weight. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of like the whole rung thing. I really do. So that, that was my hope, and I think, that's, I think that's what it's accomplished so far. So I hope. is there a book that you think that you didn't help with that gets it right? Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Chuck Palahniuk can do no wrong in my opinion. The writer of Fight Club, um, if you have not read Chuck Palahniuk, he is a very visceral, gritty writer. Um, somebody told me yesterday, they, they were talking about how they'd read one of his short stories, and they said, I just, it, I just felt icky after, like I needed to take a bath. And I'm like, right, isn't that awesome? I mean, for a, a writer to make you feel, ugh, I need to take a bath, they have accomplished their goal. And the book Fight Club just mesmerizes me and I use it as an example all the time because, you know, people know, it, they haven't read the book, they've seen the movie and they know there's fighting in it. Duh, the name is Fight Club. but. In the book, there's only three fight scenes. Now, one of them takes place in the fight club, and so there's three different fights. But it's still, it's so small. And it's because he is so succinct with his wording, and a lot of his words pull double duty. He uses a lot of oof and like uh, crackle down to the floor. Oh my gosh, that tells you so many different things. Um, and so I use him a lot as an example. Um, three that I used as an example of different fight scenes that all do an, an amazing job. I used one from Fight Club, one from The Two Towers, I believe, Lord of the Rings, and yeah. then one from Ender's Game, Orson Scott Card. And I showed how completely different they were, but then also what they had in common. You know, they tend, Orson Scott Card, uh, that was the most complicated one. Uh, or the one Ender's Game had the most complicated written fight scene, but still, 
every single one of them, they were very simple moves and they had action, something else, something else, action, something else, something else. It wasn't action, 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 action. And I've impressed upon writers, it's the same thing in a fight. You don't just have punch, 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 punch. There's breaks, there's movement, you know, unless you're, you know, obviously if you're caught unawares and you just get pummeled, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But in a sanctioned fight, it's, there's some breaks between the action because you have to set up, you know, your battle strategy for that fight. And so, um, uh, yeah, Chuck Palahniuk is definitely hands down my favorite. I love Lord of the Rings because how can you not love Tolkien? He's such a little, got a little bit of a snarky sarcasm to him. He's got that nice, you know, if you haven't read him, he's he's just great. And his battle scenes, he very much writes as if you are seeing it from above, kind of. And Chuck Palahniuk writes it as if you're looking straight at it. And um, so I like those different those different points of view, but they all, you know, they accomplish the same pers- purpose. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird the writing course we took or the cl- panels we took at Comic Con. Yeah. I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Maxwell Alexander Drake. Yeah, <laughs> which is basically how you you'll never make it. Uh, but he always uses. <laughs> oh my gosh. He always uses uh, Star Wars as an example, right? Yeah. Because the movie, not anything written, but is, so are there movies right. that you think that get it right? Oh, absolutely. John Wick gets it 100 percent right. Okay, I, I say that with a little asterisk. Okay. You cannot be hit by a car four times and still be alive unless you're Keanu Reeves and John Wick. But uh, as far as the fighting and the martial arts, it is 100% dead on. My Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym actually went to see that all together. We went, we called it our field trip, you know, and we have people in, in our group who were in MMA, who did do Muay Thai, who did do Judo, who were Filipino martial arts, which is all the things that John Wick used. And all of us were just like, dang, that was a fantastic throw. Man, that was a fantastic shot. And also, I also write for Brazilian um, Black Belt Magazine Jiu-Jitsu. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Higan Machado, who trains celebrities for movies. And he trained Keanu Reeves. And he trained Chadwick Boseman and um, Scarlett Johansson. And so I know firsthand where those moves are coming from. And I know they're legit and they do a wonderful job of, you know, people complain, they'll say, oh, that actor didn't even do that, you know, do that stunt. Well, when they do the stunt, they put themselves at big risk because they can bruise their face. And that's a big deal. When you have to go on screen and you know, a, a movie isn't filmed in a linear manner. You may film the last scene first and then the first scene. And so, you know, if you get a bruise and then you need to do a scene that actually happened two weeks before the fight, well, then you're stuck. You got to cover it up with makeup or you got to wait it out. So um, I absolutely love John Wick for that reason. Yes, of course, there's some crazy things in it. Again, you can't get hit by a car that many times and make it. And chances are, if you shoot that many times or shot at that many times, one bullet's going to get you at some point. But as far as the actual fight technique, it is fantastic. That's one of my favorites. It Man is another one. I P M A N. That's a kung fu movie. It It. I think it's Ip Man. I think it's how you pronounce it. But he was, if I'm not mistaken, Bruce Lee's trainer. Um, I mean, that Bruce Lee actually learned from right. um, a man named Ip Man. So um, 
that's another good one that I like. I mean, there, there's a host of movies. I really don't, and I think people think that when I watch movies that I'm just critiquing the whole time. And I'm not, I'm not. If I see something that's just wackadoo, like Wonder Woman, don't even get me started. <laughs> they, I mean, come on, let's at least put someone with a middle school science background on that writing team. Please, let's do that. But, you know, for the most part, I just kind of enjoy the movies. My husband, you know, he's former military, and there's some things that he rolls his eyes at. You know, whenever you have people in the back of a big C-130 and they're all talking, he's like, you can't hear anything in a C-130. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so, of course, they have to change some things for the movies. Um, and it's the same with fight scenes. A lot of times people say, well, I want my fight scene to be 100% authentic. And I was like, well, if that's the case, it's you're going to have to cut it all down to basically nothing because fights on the street are, you know, yeah. under 30 seconds. So, um, you know, you got to take a tip from some of these movies that it's real enough that the viewer can stay with it and um, give you opportunities to add in some sensory details and all that kind of stuff. So I, you don't necessarily want your fight scene to be 100% accurate. You want it to be well-crafted. Yeah. So, there you go. Okay. Um, besides reading your book, is there a particular bit of advice you would give to a writer? I think you may have already done that here. Oh, absolutely. Read my book and also write. Write all the time. Look at, find a writer that you just love. For me, Polinek, hands down. And you think, I want to write like that person. Okay, look at their fight scene and try to write a fight scene just like they would write it. Okay, now I know that sounds wrong, but there was a study done in Japan that I just uh, learned of in the past probably three weeks. And they had two groups of, uh, they had a group of artists and they gave them three days to create a painting and they divided them in half on the second day. And on that second day, half of the artists just copied another painting. They didn't worry about their painting, they just copied it. Hmm. On that third day when they got back to their painting, they were much more creative and did a much better job. And what they have found is that copying actually sparks creativity. For one, it takes all the pressure off your brain. You don't have to be perfect. You're not doing your work, you're doing somebody else's work. And it also gives you the opportunity to think, okay, well, I, why did they use that word choice? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I see why they did that. And um, so find a writer you really like and figure out what it is you like about that fight scene and copy the crap out of it. And then again and again, finally, your voice is going to peek through. Um, also, you know, a book that I particularly love is The Gift of Fear. And I think every human ought to read it because it talks about the importance of fear. And I think the full name is... The Gift of Fear, Survival Signals, and How They Save Us. And it talks about what fear is and what fear does to you. And it talks about pre-incident indicators, which I, that's why I included that in my book. And it's all the things that human beings do before they do something nefarious. Even if they're not meaning to, the body will tell you. The body doesn't lie. Hmm. The mouth will lie, but the body won't. And so The Gift of Fear uh, talks about different things to look out for. The author is Gavin DeBecker and his job is a threat assessment 
analyst. That's what he does. And what that is, is he has worked, I know he worked for a couple presidencies, but whenever someone gets a written threat, okay, um, it goes to Gavin DeBecker and he looks at it and he says, look, this is bull. You don't have to worry about this so much. Or he says, this is going to happen. You need to watch this. And so the guy knows what he's talking wow. about. And I talk about that in the book too. What makes a threat credible? You know, if the person says, I am going to rain down hellfire and brimstone on you. Okay, unless you're having an argument with Jesus, that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, so that's not a credible threat. But, you know, if it's someone that says, I'm coming to your house tonight, I'm going to look in your window, and I'm going to shoot you in between the eyes. Um, that's a plan. And you look at that person's history, and you look at the means, and look at the reasoning, and that might be one you want to pay more attention to. So that book really just has had a huge impact on me. So that's one you definitely need to read. But, you know, as with any skill, and writing is no different than any other skill. I don't know why people don't understand that. I, I related it um, yesterday. There's a kid at my gym who is, holy cow, that kid is a good writer. Like, I'm reading it, and I'm going, I'm terrible. This kid is just a <laughs> But he was like, well, you know, what do you suggest for me to be a better writer? And I'm like, man, write every day, yeah. even if it's five minutes. And I likened it to learning to play a guitar. Um, yeah, you can practice guitar once a week, but you're not going to get good at it. And until you gain proficiency in, in it, anything, it's not fun. Learning to play the guitar is not fun. It eats your fingers up. It's awful. Yeah. Learning a martial art is not fun at first because you're just like, I'm getting beat right and left. So, you know, be patient with yourself and just write a little bit every day because your brain has to get used to getting thoughts out to your fingertips. That's a, a function of executive processing. And you have to work at it just like you would any other skill. So we met you at a novel writing course, uh, uh, excuse me, seminar. Uh, mm -hmm. We were each writing different books, but together we also do a comic book. I have to put a plug in for it <gasps> called Power Square. Comic. I, love, I, re I reference comic books all the time when I'm teaching fight scenes, and here's why. Comic, and you guys know this, real estate is precious in a comic book. Every page is big money. And so, comic book illustrators and writers are fantastic at picking out the parts of the fight that matter most, the parts that have the biggest impact. And I have referred people to comic books, and I've said, look at your fight scene. If this was a comic book, and you only had one page with three panels on it, what could you include, and what do you have to get rid of? And I also talk about how comic books are so great with the sensory experience. You see the grimace on the face, you see the blood fly, you see the, the call outs, biff, pam, you know, bam, boom. You see, I mean, it, it makes it, you know, a 2D TV experience, basically. You know, it's very, it's very much sensory. And so I love comic books and graphic novels and I refer people to them all the time to help their fight scenes. So high five to you. Oh, very. <laughs> well, if anybody read it, that'd be one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. Give it time. Oh, trust me, we're giving it time. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and I, I understand the real estate because I'm the one paying, you know, buying it. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And then you'll, you know, you, I have a friend who um, he did was in working in a comic book series, and he's like, yeah, great picture, and they forgot to leave room for the the words. Oh. You know, so it's little things like this. You have this amazing illustration. You're like, there's nowhere for the words. You've got to take some of this out. So, yeah, it's a harder process than people think. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. Um, and we, we're, as we were talking, we just got an email from our artist, as a matter of fact. <laughs> we're, so we're working, on, we're working on issue 19 yeah. at the moment. Ooh. We just we, mm-hmm. have, we have published 11. We're going to get to 12 in the next month or so. Yeah. Get that out. Very cool. And then we're doing well. That. You're masters at condensing things. You are. I mean, you take this what could be, you know, this massively long story, and you have the ability to boil it down to what really matters. And so, I have extra, massive respect for comic uh, book and graphic art, graphic book, graphic novel writers. Right. Well, we appreciate you calling us masters. <laughs> <laughs> Take uh, it and run with it. Don't don't refute it. All right. No, no. We're trust me. We're gonna put it up on the blog. Um, <laughs> so this, uh, you've written this for writers. Are there other like vocations like directors and other other people that would benefit? Yeah, from this? screenwriters. Screenwriters would definitely benefit from it because it forces you to see the fight as something that's taking place between human beings. It's not just. A group of actions blocked together and you have to remember you know all the things that happened preceding the fight and all the things that will happen as a result of the fight I am ever amazed at how many people get hit in the head and walk away without a concussion anytime I watch um, I love fantasies and you know when they're when they have like a Viking scene and they go into the great hall where all the Vikings are sleeping and none of them are snoring None of them. They do hand-to-hand combat, and none of them have just jacked their septum up. That's just, you know. So it's it's little things like that that absolutely screenwriters um, can use. Actually, I sent I sent a copy of it to Higa Machado, the guy who teaches um, different fight scenes, to kind of help, you know, look at it as... And he's done really good. I mean, he's done enough work with Hollywood now that he teaches fighting as it relates to the screen. But it, it will help screenwriters, definitely. Okay. Uh, I know you, you do, you also, we met you at a conference. You also do conferences. Uh, I mm-hmm. assume that COVID has sort of made those virtual if they've ex- gone Yes. Out. Mm-hmm. Have well, you- but, you know, virtual, with every, bless, there's a, with every blessing, there's a burden. And I am thankful that we're able to, to, to do that because it gives more people the opportunity it's a bummer look let's just admit it it's a mega it's a very bummer to have to teach online especially as um, I move around a lot when I teach I'm a very physical moving person and so chaining me to a chair is not easy but it gives more people the opportunity to attend and I think it's going to change all conferences going forward because I think from now on every conference is going to have an online format. The last conference I taught at in St. Louis they actually had um, in-person attendees and then they had the online attendees and so in, in that way I think it's been a blessing. It's a pain in the butt but it's also a blessing for a lot of people who can't afford to go fly to California. They can't afford to fly to New York and stay in Manhattan. Right. You know, so it's a really affordable option because guess what? This is going to be a shocker for people, 
but writers, even though we look super wealthy, we're not. <laughs> we are ragingly poor people. And so it, you know, it gives people more opportunity. Yeah, we, when we've been watching the, the, the part of the problem, I guess it'd be nice if they were live, but when we watched the Comic-Con panels they had last week, they're all pre-taped and it's yeah. sort of like the excitement of a Zoom call, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are Zoom <laughs> calls. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. and either they're patting themselves on the back or they're really pushing a certain thing or whatever. So it's not quite Yeah, this, I hate I, that. Yeah. yeah. I have a class with Writer's Digest University. I'm going to be having more classes, um, hopefully put there in the fall. And I didn't want to do it live because of how my schedule is and getting kids to school. And I know me, I make a million mistakes, which I don't know, you know, when I teach in person, I don't care if I'm making mistakes. But um, they decided, okay, well, we'll let you do it as a video and we'll put it up there. They had never allowed a video format before. Mine was the first. Huh. Hmm. And they said, let's just see how this works. And it has worked. And I'll have more in the fall, but I try very hard to be active as I teach. You know, I have pictures going, I have GIFs going, I have um, a lot. Of, do you say GIF or GIF? I say GIF. What do you say? I think I say GIF. Okay. Well, that's right. what that's what I say. Any, right. It never fails. I say GIF and someone goes, GIF. Yeah. You know what? Whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I do try to keep it, you know, fresh because I don't want to sit in another Zoom call. Right. Nobody does. Nobody wants to know the Zoom call. So I've tried to keep my video format, you know, kind of fun, as fun as I can make it. Okay. So besides, uh, the book is available. Any, where, where can they find the book? Anywhere, honestly. Um, it's going to be at all the major outlets. Um, it, it'll be in some of the smaller bookstores. Obviously, it's going to be on, you know, the uh, the great and powerful Amazon. But um, I, I really, you know, if you'll buy it from a local bookstore, that would be awesome. Even if that local bookstore is a large bookstore, that would be great. Because um, I love Amazon. I'm very thankful for Amazon. But there's more people out there selling books than just Amazon. It's hard so. to find a bookstore actually in L.A. So they've all been kind of pushed out by rent. Yeah, all the Barnes and Nobles are out really? pretty much out of the, there are the Calabasas, and there's one. I guess there's one or two in L.A., but wow, yeah, a lot of them have closed down. So we're a big wow. city without any bookstores or out major bookstores. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so um, where can people follow you? They can find me um, uh, at my blog, Fight Right, F I G H T W R I T E dot net, um, and that's kind of a one-stop shop. There's the blog, there's the book. You can learn a little bit about my classes, the scant few YouTube videos I have. Um, I'm on Instagram at Carla, C-A-R-L-A dot C dot Hoke, H-O-C-H. Or you can just do hashtag fight right. Um, I do IG videos and every now and then I'll put out a call for, hey, what question would you like me to answer? And I'll do an IG video where I answer it. Um, I will be teaching online for Writers Digest in August. They're having a sci-fi writers conference online. And hopefully I'll be at the novel writing conference in California. We're just going to have to see about that. I believe that's in October. Yeah, they were, uh, that's when we've attended. We, we've been to a couple of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we do appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me on your hundred hundredth show. Well, Holy crap! We that's wanted to awesome. make it special. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you. Yay! All right. So, 
I'm I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. So until next time, you've been on the air with Power Squared. Uh-huh.